Thank you for joining us for this unfinished series. We're so glad that you're a part of this discussion. We're learning that the book of Acts is unfinished and so is your story. God is writing your story and it's got purpose and meaning ahead. And we hope you'll find a little bit of encouragement in the talk that we have today. Stay tuned to the end. I'll have more information for you. And thanks again for joining us for this special series called Unfinished. Well, today we continue our series uh, that we titled Unfinished. And last week, Pastor Scott talked about our unfinished story in God, and this week we're going to talk about unfinished storms. And just this week, I experienced a little bit of a storm. And we were down here getting ready for soccer camp, my wife and my kids and I, and there was a guy in the back of the property taking care of this big pile of brush that has been here since... 1856. This, this building is here. It was built in 1856. And since then, I swear, they've been piling up branches in the back of the property. And I had this guy down there with this big machine, and he was grinding them all up, taking all these stumps and everything out. He had a big old truck. Anyways, we're out there. We're working. We're getting ready for soccer camp, which is this Monday, getting new, new nets up and everything. And all of a sudden, we hear, boom. Oh, I know what that was. That was thunder. Right? And my wife goes, yeah, it, it's, it's, about, it's about to come. So we started gathering the kids, like, we're ready. Here comes the storm. Boom. Then it gets more. Well, it starts coming. So I didn't want to stop working, so I decided to go get gas for the mower out there. So I drove up to Snoko. The kids and the family went in the, house, in the church. And I go up to Snoko, fill up the gas cans, and come back. And by the time I get back, it is absolutely pouring. And I try to make a run for the shed. But as I'm doing that, I notice that the guy's machine that's in the wood is no longer in the woods. It's smack dab in the middle of the parking lot. And I said, that's weird. That's really going to get wet there. Then I looked at and his truck's there, the big F550 with a utility bed, and that's in the middle of the parking lot. I'm like, what is going on? So I get in the shed, I'm starting to fill up the gas, and all of a sudden lightning hits pretty, pretty close. And I said, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. And I'm filling up gas in a shed with lightning going on. I said... I said, July 2nd's the pig roast, not today, right? So, so I'm doing that, and I was like, I have no confidence in being here anymore. So I, I put the gas can back, and I go heading into the church where it's a little, little safer, right? A little more confidence in that. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, we're hanging out, and this big dude that walks in, and I'm talking, he's as big as men get. If it was him wrestling a grizzly bear, I don't think he'd win, but he'd have a chance. And he comes strolling into the church, and he goes, ah, I thought it better I'd be in here. It's safer. I'm like, Sinkford, it's just a little bit of rain, right? He's like, yeah, my ch- there's a tornado coming from Westchester or something like that. And there was a tornado where I was like, get out of here. He's like, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't feel safe in my truck anymore, so I come down here. And we start talking about the church. And I said, well, we're over here. This was built in the 1960s. This is, this is like boards and plaster. I was like, but over here, these walls are two and a half inch, I mean, two and a half feet thick. Ain't nothing coming in here. And so as the storm approached, Alex was upstairs, my wife, uh, making copies, and I call up to her, I say, hey, there's a tornado come. why don't you guys come on downstairs? And we're watching out the window, waiting for this storm to come, and we start talking about what we have confidence in, in a storm. And what it showed 
is that where our confidence lie, lies. We looked outside and the guy, he's a tree guy, and he parks right next to the big at dead ash tree. Like, it would fall if it's coming. I said, that's the weakest spot on the property if it's coming down, right? We're observing the weaknesses. We see the weaknesses of the other building, but we go to where we have confidence in. And when the storms of life come, it reveals where our confidence is, right? No longer was my confidence in that shed. It was in the, in the building. And not even just the building, it was in the thick building. And when we face storms and we face trials, it shows us that confidence and shows us our weakness. And today, we get to look at one of the ultimate storms in the Bible. We're looking at Paul when he's about to get shipwrecked. He's about to be stuck in a great northeastern, right? And he's going to go into a situation that is hopeless. And if anything we've learned about Paul is God ordained him to suffer. Actually, we find out as soon as Paul gets saved, a guy named Ananias, God sends to him and says, you have to go to Paul, he was formerly Saul, now he's Paul, and you have to show him how much he has to suffer for my namesake. So if there was anyone we could learn how to have confidence in the suffering and in the pain, it's Paul. Here's his resume. Check this out. This is Paul talking. I'm talking like a madman. With great labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I've received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a day and a night. I was adrift at a sea and frequent journeys in dangers of rivers, dangers of robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers. <sighs> Hold on, there's more. In toil and in hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold exposures, in part from other things, the daily pressures of me on my anxiety for all the churches. This dude faced every kind of storm possible. Everything. Don't matter. It's not just a physical storm. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was mistrialed. He, he goes through. He didn't even put the fact he gets bit by a snake. Right? Ugh. He goes through all kinds of storms, and today we get to see, in the midst of a suffering, in the midst of hardship, what his true confidence is. What his true confidence is. And in that time, it's such a genuine thing, because when the storm comes, when the trial comes, it reveals where our confidence is. And here's why this is so important today. We're all going to face storms. I think Pastor Josh said it. If he didn't say it, I'm giving him credit. Way to go, Pastor Josh. He said, everyone can fall into these three categories. Either you are in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to enter a storm in season of life. And as we go on uh, right now, even in the church family right now, there's a ton of different kinds of storms going on. And today we get to see some encouraging words, and what I'm going to call it is anchors for the storm. We're going to look at what your confidence is, what your anchor is in when a storm comes. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you that, that you put this in your word for us today to see how to have confidence in storms. And we see it through the life of Paul. Lord, I ask that you help me get out of the way of this message and that you speak through me. And that we be encouraged today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we pick up the story of Paul who is on the path that God has set before him to go to Rome. Look what it says in Acts chapter 23 verse 11. 
The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to these facts about me in Jerusalem, all he's doing is proclaiming Jesus this whole time. So you must testify in Rome. God tells Paul he has to go to Rome. He just was on trial for his faith, and he actually could have been set free, but he appealed to Caesar. So now we pick him up on his journey. Acts chapter 27, verse 1 is where we're starting. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. So we find Paul being a prisoner on a ship sailing for Rome. And the first part of the leg, it was, it was a little tough, but it wasn't too bad. With great, great labors, they get to where the first port is. But it took them a long time. And the thing was, every day that they took, it was closer to hurricane season. And so get to this port, and they decide to go one more, and they're going, and man, they barely get to this spot called Fair Haven. They barely get there. And they're in there, and they're talking about it, and Paul stands up, and he says to these guys, he says, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. What he's saying is, guys, it's hurricane season. In the words of Pastor Bill, life is choices. Choices have consequences. Make good choices. He's saying it's hurricane season. We're in a wooden boat, and we're going to try to set sail through hurricanes right now. He's like, that's not going to work out. And here Paul, not by his own doing, not because he's doing something wrong, is going to be get sent in the storm and still be in the path that God has him to be. And so they go. And guess what happens? A northeastern comes. The hurricane of all hurricanes. The perfect storm. It comes blowing in, and they can't handle anything. All of a sudden, the, the, the waves are beaten down and crushed them. The first thing they do, it was a wheat ship, a merchant ship. They took all the things that they were going to make money from in Rome, and they tossed them overboard. Why? To make the ship more stable. The next day, it's still getting bad. It's getting really bad, messed up. They take parts of the ship that they use to unload and load things on, and they throw that overboard. And they keep going, and it gets worse and worse. Day after day after day, they are lost in the sea to the point where they haven't seen any stars at all. Acts 27. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest laid upon them, all hope of our being saved was lost. And in the midst of this hopeless situation, the reason that the sun and stars is how they navigated they didn't have a compass. They didn't have a GPS. They were lost at sea without hope in the middle of a storm. And in this moment, there is no hope of being saved. It's been like seven, eight, nine, ten days. They've been blown around. They're turned around. They're upside down. They're throwing up, and they got no hope whatsoever. And then Paul, in the midst of all that, stands up and says, I told you so. What? Right? That's what he says. He says, man, you should have listened to me. Right? And not have set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. Paul steps up and says, yo, it's going to be all right. And at that point, I would look at him and says, how do you know? How, do you have some secret 
boat in your pocket that you pull the string and it floats up and you're going to be saved or something? How do you know? Where's your confidence in the fact that you're saying that to me? And this is the whole point. In the face of death, we see what his confidence was in. And it was in this. For this very night before me, an angel of the God to whom I belong and who I serve and worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that he will do exactly what I've been told. In that, you see what Paul has confidence in. In that verse is right there. You can see what he has. And it goes on in the story. God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said, look, cheer up. We're going to do it. I have faith that God's going to do it. He said, but also cheer up. It gets worse. We're going to lose the ship. right? But you're all going to be safe. So, so they take courage and they go. 14 nights without food, lost in the thing, in the food. They finally start eating. They finally start eating a little bit of food because of the encouragement of Paul. Paul breaks bread and gives thanks. And as they're going, they start hearing the sounds of waves crushing up against the shore. And they go, oh no, we are going to shipwreck right now. So the last things they have on there is four anchors. And they take not one anchor and throw it over, not two anchors and throw it over, not three anchors and throw it, but they throw all four anchors to hold them fast so they didn't crash into into the rocks. And then they get this great idea, and they start praying to God that that day would come. And there was a boat, like the lifeboat. They tried to lower it down, and Paul says, look, if you get off this boat right now, you're not going to live. And since he was told you so before, I'm not going to have to tell you again. So, like, again, so, so they held tight. The centurion actually cut the boat away so no one could get off. When morning comes, they see this, this little bay on the island of Malta, it was called, right? And They're like, I think we can make it. So they cut all the anchors, and they start heading for this shore, and they hit a reef, and they get shipwrecked. And then all of them, Paul says, get out and swim now. Right? So all the ones that that could swim got out and swam. Do you know there were sailors that couldn't swim back then? Nuts, right? The rest of them got on the planks of the ships and got in and started cruising in, and it was the first surfer ever. They stood up on these boards and cruised right in. You didn't know that was where the first surfer started, did you? But God provided and did exactly what he said he would do. And you know who was very receptive to hearing the hope that is found in God at that point? Was those 276 people that God preserved because of Paul's faith. Man, and he says, God said, I'm giving them to you. I am sure without a shadow of doubt that Paul gave those people the gospel. So here's what we're going to look at today. In the storms of life, I got four anchors that we find in Paul's message. One, the anchor to who you belong. Two, the anchor of who you worship. Three, the anchor to God's promises and anchor to God's word. The first thing that we see Paul in the midst of that hopeless situation say, it says, the God to whom I belong. That's a strong word. You know what Paul didn't say? The guy I've heard about. The God I've heard about. 
He didn't say the God that I'm trying to get to know, the God that I'm trying to earn my way to be good enough. He didn't say the, the God that I've heard these stories about. The God, he says, the God to whom I belong. Belonging is an act of possession. If I own something, I have it in my hands. I take it. If you redeem something, which God redeems us, look what it says in Titus 21. Our great Savior, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself, gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify himself a people for his own possession. And when you are not your own and you are God's, you know whose responsibility you are? You're God's. I heard this great, great quote from an old guy while I was studying for this. He, they were like, hey, what do you do when you're in trouble? He says, I look up to God and I say, your possession is in trouble. You're God's. And how it happened was, but to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The first thing you got to ask yourself in today, as just as Paul did, is who do you belong to? If you belong to God, you're going to face the storms in God's strength, not your own. If you belong to yourself, I mean, cheer up. It gets worse. You're going to face it in your own strength. In that storm, they couldn't do anything else. It was hopeless. But God made a way that you could belong to him. He, we all have sinned and we owe a debt. And that sin separates us from God. But God, being rich in mercy, sent his son on Father's Day, sent his son to die in our place on the cross to pay for our sins so that he could purchase us with the precious blood of Jesus. And how do you get that gift? You've been saved by grace through faith. Grace is a gift. He extends the gift of being God's just by putting your faith and trust in him. And it's, it's not a process. I hear this all the time. Yeah, I'm getting to know God. Well, that's fine, but you're not God yet. I'm, it's like you think you're on layaway or something like that. Like I'm being paid off. Like I'm in process. You ever see that little thing on your bank account, like pending, processing? Oh, I hate that thing, right? But it, it says like you're pending. That's not what it is. When Jesus saves you, you go from being not his to being his in a moment. One moment. You were dead in your trespasses, now you're alive in Christ. How good is that? Right? And we get this idea in our heads where, where we need to be better, earn our way. But yo, you go from not being his to being his. And in that moment, we can set our anchor. And that's the first thing today is if you've never done that, stop right there. The rest of these anchors aren't for you yet. Because until you are God's and you belong to him, there's no hope. One of the guys that mentored me named Doug Wynn has this great quote, right? You know what peace is? Peace is living in the hands of an almighty God. Check it out. Like, you know, I, I think of it like a little stick figure me like in there trying to do all kinds of stuff, right? right? And I know that in God's hand, nothing can come at me apart from what his will, right? When you're in God's hand, you belong to him. It's his strength. It's his sovereign power. 
It's his ultimate power. It's its ultimate knowledge that keeps you safe and secure. And today, God has extended that to each and every one of you. What I said, he gave everyone who believed the right to become a child of God. If you haven't done that, and all it is is simply putting your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. How do you know you're Christ? Jesus died on a cross for my sins. I do that. Sometimes I've heard it put as like a marriage. All right? My wife's sitting in the front row here. Let's get her like blushing a little bit. All right, so, so if she was walking down the street, and I had a, I, I saw, I was like, I know she's my wife to be before we were married, right? I said, that's my wife. Is she my wife at that time? No. I could know that, that she's the answer to my, my search for a, a wife, but it doesn't make her my wife. I could feel in my heart that she was my wife, and I could pursue her in that. You know what happens? It's called restraining orders, bro. <laughs> right? That's not it. She does not become my wife until we stand before God and before our friends and family and we make a commitment. It's not at the wedding. It's not before the wedding. There's a moment when I say, I do. And for some of you guys, you've never had that moment with God where you said, I'm yours and lay it down. And when the storm comes, you'll question that. And many of you, you might have a story where you like, yeah, I've always believed, I've always grown up, and I've always done that, but when the stores come, you're going to be like, did I really do that? Have I really given my life to Christ? Am I really God's? And today's the day of salvation. It says, in this moment, in this time, you can just say, God, I'm yours, and I trust what you've done on my cross. If you want more about that, we always have the gospel tab on our website. We got to get through the sermon, so we're going to keep going. Ready? Anchor number two, worship and serve God. Look what he says. The God to whom I belong and whom I worship. It's an amazing thought right there. That in the midst of the storm that he can claim that he worships God. And that word worship, I know we gave you the Acts journals, it's an ESV and it says worship. If you have like the NIV or a little bit of a different translation, that word there is serve. And sometimes we think that worship is just what Alan and Claire and Joyce did this morning and Dan, right? You sing up here and you raise your hands and you raise a hallelujah to God. That is, that is worship. But living a life of humble obedience to God, that's worship too. Look what Paul says in Romans 12.1. He says, For I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul is saying that my life, my obedience, is an act of worship to God. And too often, we just talked about the belonging. We belong to God. Too often as believers, we accept Christ for what he can do to, with us, for us. We think we possess Christ. But we didn't pay. Christ paid to possess us. And sometimes we'll follow through life and we'll get in storms and we'll be so shook because we're like, God, why aren't you providing all the answers that I want? Why are, why are my friends getting sick? Why am I losing this? Why is my brother-in-law facing cancer? Why am I dealing with this diagnosis of dementia? Why? 
Why did I lose my job? Right? And we think that God owes us something. We think that if we get Christ, all those things will happen for us. But that's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying that my life is a living sacrifice and service to God in the midst of the storm. He says, my desire now is to follow God in the storm. And when we come to the storms, we find our weakness is a lot of times we're not worshiping God. We worship our comfort. We worship our happiness. We worship our families. We worship our work. We worship our health. We want God to fulfill all those things. And instead of seeing who God is, and the only reason that you could serve God in such a way in the hardest times of your life is what, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live to themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. The only way that you can serve God in a storm with this kind of love is when you realize how much God has loved you. We love because Christ first loved us. When you see the debt that was paid, his son on the cross, for you in the midst of your trial, when you're looking around everywhere and you don't know what's going to happen, you can remember that God paid it all so that you can have hope in any situation. And then your hopelessness comes to hope. The third thing, the third anchor, God's promises. Now for Paul in this circumstance, it was that he must stand before Caesar. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. When God said it, he stood on that. He said that I will have to stand before Caesar because God said it was. And I want to honor a father and say, too often we are like my kids when it comes to God's promises. This is a true conversation could happen at any point in my house. Hey, Nolan, go get a spoon. We're going to the moon? Yes! Gracie, Gracie, we're going to the moon. Dad said we're going to the moon. We're going to go to the moon. And they go running outside. They try to build a rocket. They come running in. Dad, we're ready. Let's go to the moon. I go, buddy, I said get a spoon. Right? He goes, no, you said get a moon. And in that moment, he is absolutely crushed. And he's absolutely lost because he was thinking I said something else. And it goes back to it. Like, we get in these storms. God, I thought you promised me health, wealth, and happiness. And God said, God, I never said that. I said, in this world, there would be trouble. I said, you have to carry your cross daily. I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. And we get in this shock. Like, oh, what's his promise? One of the greatest things my parents have ever done for me my dad and my mom, is they got me reading these books. Well, the book was called Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not. These are like the greatest kids' books. Fathers, get your kids these books and read it to them. And all it is is about the Christian's walk through life and the burden of sin that's on his back. And he's on the pathway to heaven, and he comes through trial and storm and temptation. People come alongside of him, and it happens all the time. Some dude will come run up, 
But yeah, I'm with you. First trial, that's not what God said. And he runs away. And Christian pursues on and on and on. And, and that's the thing. It's God's promises. Look at what it says in John 16.3. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's a promise of God. He doesn't say you might have a storm. You might have a trial. He says, no, you're gonna. But then he does this. But take heart. This is a promise to you, not just to Paul, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, you're in my hands. Yeah, it's going to be bumpy. We're going for a ride. But you're in my hands, and I am more powerful than any world. Here's another one. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who call are called according to his purpose. God works good. Even in the, the storms and in the hard times, God's bigger than the storm. And he's working his will in your life. We don't understand it, but we know that God is there. I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can take you from God. I am sure of this, that we who he who began a good work in you will finish until the day of completion at the day of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You want to belong to Christ? God has promised that you can if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then Revelations, when all else fails, people die. You can't get out of this world alive, guys. Death and taxes, and, and maybe we'll add storms now too, because that's, that's going to happen. We're all going to die. And have you ever seen the difference between a funeral of a believer and a funeral that someone that doesn't? It's the confidence and hope in this verse. And it says, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. He says, there will be a day with no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows. I just lost my, my Sunday school teacher from when I was a little kid this week. She knows more about Jesus right now. is having way more of a fun time than we've ever had down here on earth. Right? She, is in no, she had a life of just pure suffering. Just trial after trial, health issue, relationship issue, job issue. She went through it, and all the time she gave glory to God, and all the time she had to hope in Christ that this was true. And right now she sees, she sees things that we can't imagine or even comprehend right now. And the fourth anchor, who God is. A promise is only as good as the one who gives it, Right? A promise is only as good as the one who gives it. In the midst of that, Paul says that we are going to be all right. And this is why. That big word. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. When you're in the midst of the storm, hold on to that anchor of who God is. Just dwell on who he is. He is the creator of the world. 
He knows tomorrow just as much as he knew yesterday. He knows everything. There is no spot on earth that he can't get to you at and be with you at. He loves with a love that we can't even comprehend. God is amazing. Look, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or even think, according to the power that is now working us. Ephesians 3.20, Isaiah 55, 8-3, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He Has he said, and will he do it? Or has he spoken, and he will he not fulfill it? Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has given to us. These two verses right here help me face the storm tremendously. God's ways are not my ways. God's ways are so much higher. He knows what he's doing, and he's working in his life. And then this verse comes in. He says, what's a storm do? It, pushes, it, it, it makes endurance, and it leads to hope. And he shows you your weaknesses in your heart and in your life, and he produces you into the person God wants you to do. This is what I took away from all of this. When we anchor our lives to God, storms become opportunities. Opportunities to see God move and to see your faith grow. The darker the storm, the brighter the hope of God will be shown. This is the story that God plays over and over and over again in his people. Look at Paul. Paul was in the darkest situation. He threw his anchor out, understood he was God. He understood he served God. He understood God's promises to him, and he understood who he was. And because of that, 276 people were saved. And God moved and rescued people from a hopeless situation. Look, look at a, like Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel got told not to serve God, but he knew he was a child of God. And he knew he was called to play, so he worshiped and prayed to God. Right? And then he knew his promises that he'll never leave and forsake him. And despite that, Daniel was thrown into a lion's den with hungry lions meant to devour him. And what happened? God showed up. God showed up and shut the mouths of lions. And you know that kingdom praised God because of it. Daniel's faith grew. Every great Sunday school story, I mean, David and Goliath, the little shepherd boy, goes up against the biggest Goliath and no one else did because he knew he was a child of God. He knew the God he served. He knew God's promises and he had faith to do it. And what happened? I mean, he took down Goliath. Over and over and over again, this happens. Paul and the ultimate one's Jesus. We can take tremendous comfort in the fact that Jesus faced trials and suffering more than any of us ever could. We do know, first in the Bible, is we do not have a high priest that does not sympathize with us. God used the storm in Jesus' life to redeem all of mankind. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating blood because he was so stressed out about 
what was going to happen, but he knew these four anchors. He knew he was God's, and he was God's. And he knew that he was called to serve, and we see that because he's on his face, dreading the storm to come, and yet he cries out, God, not my will, but your will be done. And God takes that, and he redeems all of mankind. He breaks the curse that's been on man's sin in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And God's still doing it today. What storms are you guys in? One of the greatest examples is my wife. Look that way. <laughs> now, so some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't. Uh, we have two kids. I mean, super happy to be a dad, right? Love these guys. You, you'll notice them. They're the ones, no shoes on, running around the church, right? But then 10 days before we had our second child, Gracie, my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, it's awful, Right? And so through that, we had hope in God. And, and in that hospital, um, we just were calm about it. We knew we were about to face a storm. And so we're like, you got 10 days, you're going to deliver a child. And the doctors are talking to us like, right after that, you got to start chemo. Like really aggressive chemo. Like you got to go, right? And what's that going to do is not going to let you hold your child. It's not going to let you do motherly things. It was the coolest picture so we're sitting in there. We have our child, Grace. Oh, man. She's just smiling. Hold on. I'm getting through this, all right? Right? So, so she's smiling, and his doctor comes in, and she's like, all right. So here's the deal. You got to start chemo, like, right now. And she's like, okay, cool. And I'm crying. She wasn't crying at the time. She's just smiling, Right? Okay, you, you're about to go through all this cancer treatment. Yeah, it's cool, right? And the doctor goes to walk away. Oh, this is awful, right? The guy, doctor goes to walk away, and she goes, I got to ask. You're handling this way better than anyone I've ever seen. What's the difference? Christ. My wife had Christ. In the midst of our storms, when we cast our anchors on who we are in Christ, when we cast our anchors on who we serve, God's promises and His word. God takes those opportunities and He uses it to grow our faith. He uses it to share the hope of Christ in the dark situations. And he uses it to glorify his name. Guys, if you're facing a storm in your life, like standing in front of like 100 people and crying, <laughs> if you're facing something like that, I ask you to, to examine this. Where's your anchor? Are you God's? Are you serving him or are you serving yourself in the midst of the storm? Do you understand God's promise? And do you know who God is? Peace is being in the hands of an almighty God. Look at the words of Paul. This is great. 
Who is to be condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things you are more than a conqueror. How how does that even happen? How do you more than conquer something? Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love that God, the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, when you have Jesus as your anchor, when you have God as your anchor, no matter what the storm is in your life, you become more than a conqueror. It doesn't compute to me. If you beat something, you conquer something, it's dead. And somehow, in Christ, we're more than that. So today, you guys have your connection cards right there. We want to come alongside you. We want to pray for you. We want to invest in you. We, we just want to encourage you to get these anchors set in what we talked about today. The first and foremost, if you do not know Jesus Christ without the shadow of a doubt in your mind that you are his, let's get that squared away first. There'll be some prayer team people up here after church. Come up and pray with them. Write on your card, I've accepted Christ. Alex, call me. Like whatever, we'll get, we'll talk, and we want to assure you to that. Right? If, if you don't know who you're serving, in the, are you serving yourself or are you serving and worshiping God? Right? Maybe you're struggling in that area. If you're like, God, Alex, I know you put some promises up there. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know all those. Let's get you studying that. Let's get you in a small group where we can come around each other and encourage each other with the promise of God. I don't know who God is. Oh, man. Let me tell you about God. And there's stories like I could go on, but I already cried about one, right? There's story after story of God working in storms of people in his life. The Bible says, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, he's saying in this room, there's a ton of God stories where a ton of people have put their faith in God and seen God move and have, in the face of tremendous obstacles, overcome. Write on that card like, Alex, I want to hear those stories. And pray for the th- and write down the people you're praying for. Because out of all this, let me ask, I asked my wife this the one time. I was like, if it was for you to get cancer for your family to be saved, would you do it? Yeah, let's run it back. Let's do it again, right? Maybe God in this moment is using your storms in your life so that that hope in that darkness situation could be shown to your loved ones, to be shown to the people that are watching you and they can see the genuineness of your faith. Guys, set your anchors in God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you helped me get through the service. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the hope that you bring into every situation, that that when we go through the fires of life, that you stand with us. Lord, I thank you that that you paid the ultimate place for us to belong to you. 
I ask that you help us dwell on that and realize that. And I ask that you help us recognize that we're called to serve you in the midst of the storm. Lord, I ask that you make your promises real to us and that we just grasp who you are. We thank you for being our almighty God that we are in your hands. Help us to live like it. Help us to act like it. Help us to serve you better today than we did yesterday. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening through this entire talk. I hope there was something for you that was encouraging and challenging and that you can walk away with today. But before you walk away, please go to branchlife.church and check in. Fill out your connection card. Let us know that you worshiped online. We'd love to hear from you, to pray for you, and to connect with you in this way. We hope you'll join us again next time as we continue on with this special series or the next series ahead. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.